Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to the real life of Nisha D. And tonight we have a very, very, and I know you all say, here she go again with the very, very. But anytime I have someone on my show, he or she is a very, very, very special guest. And tonight I have the up and coming comedian, Mr. Ken Mills. Welcome, welcome, my friend, my friend. Welcome to all things relationships. Welcome. Tell my Uh, audience a little about yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah, Nisha. So in case they don't know, uh, I'm I'm a comedian, an entrepreneur, all-around businessman, healing from Fifth Ward, from the Bucktown section. Bucktown, baby. That's right. It's only a few of us, but we powerful little mug. You know, hey. I ain't gonna curse now. I'm gonna try to curb my words because I know you got a, a good audience. Um, They're used to me slipping out a little cuss words every now and then, <laughs> so it's okay. It's okay. Alright, so I also have a talk show uh, w- which is on the uh, Boss of Houston Network platform. It's a TV talk show. Uh, which rebroadcasts on Xfinity, uh, Channel 99, uh, out here in Houston. Also, you can find us on YouTube under Boss Up Houston Network, as well as on uh, Facebook under Boss Up Houston Network on Thursdays at 9 p.m. We cover a myriad of topics. We talk about everything that's affecting the black community and also uh, the mainstream community as well. Uh, we, we, we delve into entrepreneurship. Uh, we also delve into relationships, uh, faith-based inif- initiatives. But more importantly, too, we try to bring you a little laughter, uh, bring on some of my fellow comedians, uh, some of the top comedians here in Houston. And we just have a marvelous time. Hmm. That is always a blessing when, when you can uplift each other and um, do something well for the community. Right now... It's very important for us, young African-American men and women, to reach back to our communities and and reach back to black businesses and, and up-and-coming entrepreneurs and, and, and networking. And I'm just basically, I'm trying to rebuild Black Wall Street, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to... Um, I just want to heal our people, our community, and I, I want people to know who we really are you know i always tell people you know every time you look on these talk shows and stuff you have the well-to-do upper middle class upper crust upper echelons of black society but what about the people that actually come from the ghetto that are making it for themselves why can't we show these people why can't we go back to the communities and talk to them Exactly. And, you know, I I have a unique perspective because I I come across all boundaries. Uh, I come from, uh, you know, your street individuals uh, to your uh, working class individuals and also to the elite um, and also to the intellectual uh, because I encompass all of these things, uh, which I have the durability to do so. So with that being said, I feel that I'd be a better asset, even though I can make you laugh till you cry. <laughs> um, you know, that I, is true. I wanted to take this opportunity, you know, to step away from the joking and be a tad bit serious, educated, and entertained at the same time. 
Well, you know, I always pick people who God allows me to choose, right? Yes. So, you know, I don't just grab anyone. I grab someone. I grab people who I know they have stories. Can you let uh, my audience know how we know each other? Well, we know each other through many different mediums. Uh, being, <laughs> being from, you know, the same neck of the woods, uh, I know your brothers. I know most of your family members. You know most of mine. Uh, but we met through a mutual friend. Uh, and, and from that point on, we just clicked. That's right. And, you know, and I, I, I would like to say that I'm very proud of you. Um, I'm proud of, of what you're becoming and what you're standing for. Um, you have a solid black woman on your team, your beautiful wife. Um, I, I'm, I'm loving the fact that you are owning who you are as a man. But I want my audience to know about your humble beginnings. Okay. So uh, first off, I, I just want to say as well, I'm extremely proud of you. Um, I always you. thought that you had a unique perspective and I also uh, thought that you were, you had high intellect. Uh, I just feel like right now, being the turbulent times that we're in, everybody's finding the proper lane to get into. Maybe there's a, a little bit of God's hand in it. Maybe maybe mm -hmm. a little bit of discernment. Um, but getting into, you know, where I come from, so basically, like I said, I'm from Fifth Ward. Uh, when I grew up, I, I was of a high intellect. Uh, I, I first started off at uh, Miss Coleman, Pinecrest Daycare that was right there in the back of uh, Wheatley. Uh, uh -huh. That's the one that gave me uh, my foundation as far as uh, my faith and also uh, my ability to read, understand, and comprehend. So from that point on, I went to NACQ Henderson where they accelerated me. They wanted to skip me two, three grades, uh, but for social reasons, I only did one. Uh, but from that point, I guess my mother, I grew up with my mother and my father, and they saw something in me uh, that, they, that they wanted to nurture. So they figured out, they say, hey, let's move him out of this area and try to get him to see new surroundings. But me, mm -hmm. I'm rebellious. Uh, after Nat Q. Henderson, I went straight to Ryan in third wall. Uh, back in them days, it was north side versus south side. <laughs> yeah. And I was squabbling. I had to learn how to squabble. I was 10 years old. I was fighting 16-year-old dudes who were driving cars to school. <laughs> and who was selling crack on the block. And, uh, you know, I had to learn how to dress and be fly because that was the south side. Uh, yeah. They weren't understanding dickies. And, you know, I got my first little chain and, you know, I, I was coming up. But then after that, you know, I wanted to go to Yates. My mother was like, hell no, uh, you're going to go somewhere a little bit better. So I ended up going to law enforcement and criminal justice, which is a magnet school off of Shepherd. And when I did that, I ended up graduating when I was 15 years old. I stepped into the corporate world at 15 and I have not left since then. Uh, I've been doing that for the past 23 years. I've been in corporate society uh, for four major corporations, including uh city of Houston. Um, and, you know, right now, I I mean, I'm basically re-entering entrepreneurship because I had my first business when I was 18 years old. Uh -huh. um, I was a technical guru. So 
Uh, I first had a business where I was building computers and I was servicing computers, but then I wanted to focus on my career. Uh, and through that time, I went back to school and then I kept going. But, you know, something hit me with the comedy. So I just wanted to take those same skills that I've nurtured over the last 23 to 25 years and put that to use. And it's been working out well. You know, I had Carlicia Wright mm -hmm. Jones on my show last night, and we talked about um, growing up in Fifth Ward when you're when you're um, highly intelligent and your brain is very analytical, and because you're different from your peers, and you're in this society where people view you as oh they're in the hood so they don't know anything, and and you you know and you express how who you are to family and friends and they look at you like you're crazy but i always tell people the most intelligent men and women come from the ghettos of america and you are a witness because you are one of them you are very intellectual but you know when you when you were growing up in fifth ward and you know we 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 know the drug dealers well we knew the drug dealers at the time because that's what we were around right mm -hmm. When, when you're smart and you're intelligent and you're looking at these people and it's like you're tempted by um, the money, the cars, the popularity. What made you, being the young Kenny, what made you say, you know what, this is not for me. I don't want this. I know it's something better for me. I, I mean, God has gifted me with with this intelligence and and I'm I'm a very knowledgeable man because you stated how you can rebuild computers and that's not an easy task at all it takes a lot of knowledge and a lot of technical guru to do to do the little twinkles and twinkles of a computer networking so tell my audience how did that impact you seeing what we've seen in our hood well, I mean, for number one, you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like no angel. I did jump off the porch and I did jump into it. Uh, but, right. but, you know, the way that I had to do it, I had to circumvent my family. Uh, my family was very, uh, you know, prevalent in Fifth Ward. So if they saw me do anything out there, it was going to get back. Now, that was early mm -hmm. on. I jumped off the porch when I was 12, 12, 13. Yeah. I started doing things on the other side of town. And, you know, reluctantly did it in fifth war. But now when I started getting toward my teens and my 20s, I was deep out there. Um, but luckily I had individuals and I called out a few names that gave me some great game. Uh, like uh, OG Bookie, may he rest in peace. Uh, uh -huh. Jarvis Carr, may he rest in peace. Uh -huh. Aubrey Cruz, he's still living. I ran into him two, three weeks ago at fifth level. Uh, Mr. Charles Green and Green Notes, may he rest in peace. Yeah. It was just a, a host of elder individuals that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself uh, that I may have been squandering because it wasn't like I needed to be accepted. It was just the fact that we, we're not uh, monoliths. We're not one set way. We all have levels of duality in different dimensions. <laughs> So for one part, yeah, I grew up in the neighborhood and I ain't soft. So the friends that I have, I know them, know them. 
So I'm not going to front on them. And I like some of the things that they like too. But at a certain point, I have to understand, you know, the barrier between my peace of mind and my freedom uh, would be at 700 uh, 700 Franklin. (laughs) So that's why I was like, you know what? Let me find a way to dodge 700 Franklin. Yeah, because that is not for a black man. Oh, no. Period. Um, I, I, um, you know, I'm just, I, I, I'm always, um, I ask questions because I, I always try to get a bigger perspective for my audience because, you know, I have people in Nigeria and Asia that are listening and also Russia, believe it or not. And, um, do you think the lack of leadership in the African-American community has caused so much strife within our own set of people? Uh, I wouldn't say a lack of leadership. I would say it's a lack of trust and lack of information. Uh, because for number one, um, there's a reverence factor within our community, meaning that we revere celebrities, pastors, politicians, or anybody who we feel uh, has the right level of monetary wealth that we want to strive for. So we look up to them. But yet, when we do that, and we find out that they're just like us, and they have sins, and they also have issues, and sometimes we look down on their issues because we feel that their issues are lower than us, then that's when we tear each other down. Um, If you look at it, our leaders over the last 40 to 50 years, uh, our strong ones, uh, such as uh, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, uh, Hewitt Newton, nationally, worldwide, we found ways to discredit them and also dishonor their legacy. Uh, and I think that as a people, we need to start looking toward the actual uh, actions of that person rather than the man themselves. I always tell people, when you go to church, read for yourself. Because when you go up there and you place all that power on one person mm. and you don't read for yourself and you take everything to heart, this person may not have the same level of intellect as you and may not be able to comprehend the Bible like you could or may not have a strong connection with God like you do. So if you study and pray on that word, you'll find the true meaning. I'm just saying, you know, not all pastors are bad, but some may not be uh, proper for the position that they in. So you just have to, you just have to look at, you know what I'm saying? The situation and pray for discernment, pray that God's God gives you the discerning spirit. When you be around people and you feel something in your gut that ain't right. Nine times out of 10, it is. It ain't Mm -hmm. right. You know, I, I always tell people, um, I'm a big Marcus Garvey pan African fan. Um, Dr. Dick Gregory, James Baldwin, uh, you know, I and Maya Angelou, and I, and I always tell people we have those same type of individuals in the ghetto. They're there. And sometimes you have to go back in there and sit with them and listen to them. And you can learn everything you need to know from a person that never graduated high school. Or a person that never graduated college. I think that um, when I say the lack of leadership, I'm not talking about leadership from celebrities, um, leaderships from pastors. I'm talking about 
leadership from regular people, like being a husband in a household or being a mother in a household. When I, you know, a lot of times if we're going to tell the truth tonight, there's a lot of um, mothers that are leaving kids at home, you know? And so the daughter is like, well, you know, mama out there dropping it like it's hot. I'm going to drop it like it's hot. Or daddy's not home and daddy has an, a, a, a baby here and a, a baby there and daddy got all the women so I'm gonna grow up and I'm gonna have all the women and when that's when I mean about leadership you know it starts from home see you spoke on how you had your mother and your father and that was a beautiful thing when you grew up with a father that you can look up to you didn't have to go outside and look up to anyone you had someone you can look up to right there you had that leadership that's that set your path because your father showed you the way that a man should be. Right. And you know, not, not to say that my father, not perfect, but I learned from both my parents and, and, this, and right. this is what I learned as well. Um, you, you're perfectly right. Uh, people lead by example, but at the same time, if you look at the, the family structure of the African American community, crack dissolved that. Crack totally mm. dissolved that. Uh, being from the area that we're from, we see that all the time. We see where kids were selling to their parents. And we see yep. where, you know, children didn't have an option. They had to do what they had to do to feed them and their sisters and brothers. So with that being said, it's dysfunction and it's a fracture in that structure. The only way that you could fix that, the only way you could fix that is to fix the person. So we dealing with a lot of broken people, like a lot of people. If you look at a lot of people look for acceptance due to insecurity. So mm. when they insecure, a person is desperate. They'll do anything. So when you start going into the the, the antithesis of, of of a relationship, you talk about a man and a woman. So who choosing who and why they choosing them for? So. If you grow up in a broken home and what you value is money, you're going to look for a man with money. You're going to look over some of the flaws and some of the red flags that you see because you're looking for that level of stability. Now, when it reached a point where you feel like you can't take it no more, then that's when you leave. But then when you leave, you might have a child or two. Then if you ain't truly, you know, truly understanding yourself and you still own your money back, you're going to be in a domino effect. You're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. And your children will see that and they'll feel like that's the way it needs to be. But once you figure out and you say, hey, I'm strong enough, I'm fine enough to be alone and, and to get my own peace. And then you look at yourself and be self-aware and know who you need to be looking for or who needs to find you. You pray for it and you get that blessing. Then you can build because it's built off of love. It's not built off of survival. So basically, we must learn how to break generational mm -hmm. curses. We got to learn how to break those. And, you know, in the cycle, like you said, the cycle starts from within. The cycle must start from within. So this older Kenny, what would you tell the younger Kenny? If you had a chance to go back and talk to your younger self, what would you tell what him? What I would have told, told him is to stay with the entrepreneurship early, never work for nobody. Uh, also stay away from them scalawags. 
Oh, <laughs> we're gonna get into that, Kenny. You need to go to church. You need, you need, yeah, you need to, to go to church. Uh, you, you, you don't need to be around no drug. And I probably would my, I probably would my own ass. Yeah, cause you know you was um you was you was you was a pretty hot thing now you know you was, you you was pretty hot thing you was a pretty hot thing you was <laughs> you was a pretty hot thing I always tell people that I meet no strangers because and and I say this is because you never know who you might help along the way I am so glad that you're here tonight telling your truth and living in your truth and you're letting people know that yes you can make it out yes if you if you're intelligent if you're smart and your iq is is 150 and higher it's nothing to be ashamed about That's right correct. And, and, and and one oh. and one missing part to that you don't necessarily have to be intelligent but you have to be steadfast you can have all the talent in the world but with no work ethic you will never get anywhere uh, with, without any professionalism or without having any self-respect, you're not going to get anywhere because people look at the way that you love yourself and they look at the way you respect yourself and how you carry yourself. And that in turn teaches them how to treat and address you. So would you say, by you being a highly intelligent African-American <laughs> man, I'm sorry, man, getting these um you know you know Ken you know you can dress mm-hmm. your butt off right and you know you know we don't all hung out you know we don't have margaritas we don't hung out and you know the fly guy mm-hmm. right do you think the fly guy always attract the ratchet girl I'm not necessarily because sometimes the fly guy may look down on some ratchet because sometimes the fly guy uh-huh. I'm looking for something that, that's meeting his standard Cause it's like this: if you if if you fly with eagles, why are you gonna walk with pigeons? Uh, can you elaborate? Right, so what that basically means is, look, you know, if I know what it means, but you need to break I, it down for my audience because they ain't come. Because I mean, from. you know, you know, you birds of a feather flock together, and, and if, you know, huh. I'm, I'm represented by the woman that I choose. So if the woman that I choose is not on the same level of mind frame as me and she doing things that don't make sense, like I ain't hating, you know, I ain't talking down neither because I got family that do it. And you know what I'm saying? But coming out the high with a bonnet, coming out the high with fur slippers, you in the store, fur slippers, why your shoes at? You know, and, and, and you know, you putting off to the world, you know, something you know what i'm saying that that's not necessarily correct because people gonna be looking at that they're gonna they're gonna be judging you so most times like well how we grew up or well uh, the mind state that that we had as far as getting fly is because we wanted we wanted to show how much we respected ourselves and we wanted to show that we that we have arrived so if that meant that i had to go hustle or go get me some polos and guests and give me some fresh air max then I upgrade and go give me some Gucci shoes or a Gucci jacket or even the yeah. or some Ferragamos. You know, a little Ferragamos or some Chanel. Keep talking. <laughs> Keep talking. Kim. But you know, <laughs> you know, sometimes too, you know, you can find you a woman that, 
you know, may not necessarily have that, but on the inside, she a diamond. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you a can splurge and you can spoil her because she 100 and genuine with you. So would you say perception is everything? Uh, perception is reality. Because it's, 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 it's mm-hmm. in the eye of the beholder, just like beauty. Um, but my thing is, I don't care about other people's perspective perception of what I do or how I look is about what I think. You know, I always tell people with me, I'm a very confident woman, not because of how you may assume I look It's because I know God and I know myself mm-hmm. worth. Right. And I don't been through some shit and I don't been through a lot of shit. And I faced a lot of adversities mm-hmm. in my life dealing with everything from rape to to domestic violence. I suffered it all. But knowing God and knowing that I had a voice and I had a story to tell, I was like, I would not allow what transpired in my life to make me becoming of a bitter, resent a resentful woman. And um so therefore, you know, I, I stand in my truth and I live in my truth and I and I have I have no regrets. I don't hate anyone because when you carry so much around, it weighs you down. So have you ever ran across a woman who was magnificent magnificently mm-hmm. beautiful, right? Just she was just a total package. But when she opened her mouth. And she sat down and it was like the outer appearance does not match the inner appearance. Have you ever ran across a woman like that? Yeah. I mean, you know, when I was younger, you know, my standard was, 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 was slightly, I would say uh, very low than what they are now. So, I mean, you know, I was thinking about sliding in something. So <laughs> it really ain't matter to me. I was like, okay. You know, you know, she ghetto. That's cool. We can go to, uh, you know, Bennigan. You know what I'm saying? But when... <laughs> Boy, did you say Bennigan? Yeah. I'm not playing with you tonight. Can you know some of these people probably never heard of Bennigan's? <laughs> well, everyone, guys, Bennigan's is a cheap restaurant just like Applebee's. It's the equivalent or Cheddar's. And they'll never go any higher than that. Because if you're doing Papa though, she's going to tell people you got money and that's going to get you robbed. That's why you can't fool with them type because they talk too much. Like, what, I, what I've what i been, you know, I sit back from afar and I watch a lot. Everybody talk about snitching in the neighborhood, but everybody not realizing uh-huh. that when you lay down and pillow talk with the wrong woman, she going to tell everything and everybody. So people already know your next move and if you got an enemy, they gonna already know your next move because you laying up with somebody that that mealy mouth, that run their mouth. So I tried to, as as I got older, I tried to steer away from them type of folks, and I try to look not at the outward appearance, but I look at the the the, the inner the inner beauty of a person and also their mentality, because yeah. the mentality would be a long way. Like I mean, with with y'all women, it's different. Because, I mean, you know, if I'm a dude, I'm ugly. No matter if I put on a polo or whatever shirt, I'm ugly. Y'all can go put on makeup and have all that. 
well, Ken, you know I've never wore makeup and I, you know, I only put some braids in my hair because, you know, I just wanted braids. So uh, <laughs> you are crazy. Did you? <laughs> but you know, hold on now. We don't I don't see some videos of men putting on those two pages and them dreadlocks and everything. Now we're gonna talk about that. And if you ain't got it, just don't do it, man. Just shave that hair off, man. Don't be like LeBron <laughs> trying to save the race with your head, man. Hey, 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 don't speak on LeBron. I man. thought Method Man was your man. <laughs> He is. Oh, you know now. You know Method Man is all yes. Method Man. It used to be interesting, but in now when he became a lawyer, <gasps> when Method Man became a lawyer, I seen you had crossed on over. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and you say, "Ooh, girl, he light skinned and he corrupt. He dirty, girl." Ooh. <laughs> Hold up. Well, you know, I I prefer. I I love my men. Tall, black, and strong. Rather they're cocoa brown, uh, mocha chocolate, um, mulatto. It doesn't matter. As long as they're a good black man. And I personally don't go by looks. I never did. Let my cousin Erica tell it, girl, you know, when you meet these men, do you have on your eyeglasses? I go by the heart. Because, you know, looks fade away. So looks fade away. And, you know, and at this stage in your life, you don't want someone that you know is so vain and you don't want to come off as so vain because you want to have a, a foundation, right. right? And I I seen um one of your um comic uh <laughs> shows where you stated how you were dealing with women who were very loose oh, in the goose. Um <laughs> But yes, uh, I mean, you know, that's one thing that come along with, you know, with, with growing to be a, a grown man. Uh, you're going to run across them type of things and you're going to run across promiscuous or uh, women that are frequented, um, you know, and I tried to stay away from that. Hence, you know, the, the way that I chose my wife was totally different. Um, I, my wife, actually, she went to law enforcement and criminal justice. Uh, but not with me. She was four years behind me, but actually two years in age behind me. So I like to reverse R. Kelly. So when I seen her, she mm. was young, I had to get it. Well, you know, I, you're so silly. <laughs> like you reverse R. Kelly. We, we're, we're always speaking on how that um, black women are the most disrespected women on this earth and um we're not respected we're not held to the highest um light you know when they see us they'll say that we're obnoxious we're loud and don't get me wrong some of us are loud some of us can be rude but you know sometimes it's things that transpired in our life like i said i was raped um i was in a relationship that it was volatile um but you know, I knew who I was as a woman and, and I had people around me praying for me and lifting me up and helping me get out of that environment that I was in, the um the, the violence, you know, to help me get out of there. Do you feel as an African American male that black women need to start be need to start being held in higher regards by black men and then 
when the rest of the world see our black kings lifting us up, do you think the world will start shifting then? Because remember, a black woman is the closest thing to God. She's the only one with the gene, with the Eve gene that can produce a white child, an Asian child, um, an Indian child, a brown child, an albino. What do you think? As I'm speaking from, I'm speaking to the intellectual No, nah, you're speaking to all of them right now. I got split personality, so I'll break it down. Very plain for everybody. <laughs> so, number one, you are correct. Uh, the black woman is the most disrespected. Um, and this has been since the beginning that we've been in America. Uh, the black woman, they disrespected her in order to break down the black man, which in turn broke down the black family. So mm, when you look at it. that, then that starts like some type of animosity between the sexes, between male and female. And you can even look at it through our generation. When we were growing up, Snoop Dogg and Dogg said he didn't love them hoes. Then you got everybody just denigrating women, denigrating women. Me, I was a part of that too, because all I was listening to, I used to rap and I used to talk like that. But at the same time, what you got to look at is when you get back into your Bible, you can see where uh, uh, King James had shifted the Bible to a more patriarchal uh, uh, perspective. But if you delve back into the comedic teachings, you'll see that women were rulers. And if you if you look at the essence uh-huh. of the black woman and the ways of a black woman, that's the embodiment of God. Because... A black woman will stay down with you to the very end. I mean, law to a fault. She'll do everything for you. I mean, she 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 can make heaven on earth for you. But when you cross her and you tow your drawers with her, guess what happened? <laughs> tow the drawers. Can you elaborate with them on tearing the drawers? Because you know they're probably like, tow the drawers. When you reach a point of no return, when anything that you say she don't care about, because she, the, the interest has left her. The love has left her. Um, because I liken it to a scripture in Revelation where it says, uh, don't, don't come to me lukewarm. I'll spit you out of my mouth. Uh. And that's the same thing with a woman. Woman uh. say, come 100% real with me or not. And, and what has happened, um, I think uh, the, the black man has been watered down to a certain point and has been brutalized to a certain point and has been led with that direction to you have these guys out here. These guys don't know how to be a man. These guys learn how to be a man from watching their mamas and their anus play cards on Friday nights. So, you know, the woman, they screaming, bitch to each other, but that's a term of endearment. And they seeing their mama get emotional. They handle it. They trying to handle their emotions, but they don't know how to do it in the, in a man form. So, and they don't know how to provide. They don't know how to do these different type of things. So that's why you have uh, women without a protector. You know what I'm saying? Because if you look at it, <clears throat> the man job in the world, because the law was given to the man. That's what it say in the Bible. I believe that. Um, he was given dominion over everything. So what that means is, the woman, your helpmate, they mean that they not subjugated under you. They don't mean like you the manager and they the assistant manager. Y'all both managing together, but you got to give direction. And you also got to be able to bring something to put forth on that table. She can take that and multiply that. 
So once people start to realize or men start to realize what the true role is for them, then they'll be able to, to lead the family the correct way. Mm, so do you do you think that society has taken away a man's masculinity and made a woman masculine? Do you think that? How do you do how to be you know, because I I needed you on this show for so many reasons. And you know, this is all things relationships. And you know, as a black woman. I was told that I was too strong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I worked too much, right? When um, when a guy, this was moons ago, years and years ago, um, this guy, he was interested in me. And, you know, of course, you know, I work in corporate America. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and he was like, well, you, um, you work too many hours and, and you too strong and you too this. And you two that, and I'm looking at this man, like, do you have any idea what I endured to make me the woman that I am? If I had not went through those trials and tribulations that I went through, I wouldn't be the woman that I am. So when I stand, I stand tall, meaning I know my role as a woman. I would never want to the role as being a man in a relationship because I love a strong black fierce man period I like you said I am the helpmate I like to wear my dresses and heels sometimes I like to wear my tennis shoes and and um <clears throat> joggers but I am a woman I am all woman and I know how to lead as a woman I'm raising strong black intelligent kids I can't show my sons how to be men, but I can show my daughter how to be a daughter. And that's why I love my brothers. You know, my 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 kids, um, my sons, they talk to their dad, but I love my brothers because they're able to talk to my boys. I love my cousins and my nephews. They're able to talk to my boys and build them up and, and let them know, hey, this is the way it should be. But do you feel, how do you feel about when society um, view us as loud and obnoxious and um, just superwoman? Just like I'll say this, like Kamala Harris, they try to uh, tear her down. But, you know, it's in our DNA to be strong. It's in our DNA to be a ruler. It's in our DNA to tell the truth and speak on it. What is your view on that, Ken? All right. So first off, going back to the gentleman that that you were seeing that told you you're working too much, he had the game all wrong. So when a man come to a woman, a man ought to be strong enough to have his own world and welcome the woman into his world. So any uh-huh. any inadequacy that he see in her world, he should be able to fix that and apply that real quick. So if he if you're working too hard, how can he help you to where you have to work less? Where you can focus more time on whatever that you like on your children or him. That would be my that would be my thought process. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if you're doing overtime right. every day, then I say, baby, you know, what what kind of beer you got going on? Let me hip you out. You know what I'm saying? Them children need shoes. Did that what I'm saying? 
And see, <laughs> <Don't care. laughs> and see, you know, you know, my kids never went with it. I'm so crazy. You're so crazy. Oh my god. And they say, you know, that's tricking. You know, because see, you know that that's the that's the cheering speak. That's tricking, but. Everybody know that you know when you were growing up, your auntie had a dude named Mr. Charles. Now, Mr. Charles used to drive eighteen wheeler, and he used to go to do them turnarounds. He had bad skin. She wasn't tripping because she had met him, met him at, at uh, TT's. You know what I'm saying on, on market, and he had a nice truck. And he a deacon at the church, but he got a wife. But he come through and he drop a little money. He dropped a little money off. He made sure everything cool. And then on. Did you just say he had a yeah. wife? I'm not going to play with you. Yeah, yeah, wife. I am not. He had a wife. His wife, you know, his, his wife, except the fact that, you know, he going to do what he do. You know, she do what she do because she got Mr. Johnny. But, you know, on Fridays, Mr. Chug come through, take aim to the Red Lobster. She bring y'all back a little bit of them Cheddar Bay biscuits. See, Everybody know that whole scenario because when we were growing up, that's how you know what I'm saying the men was. Even you know sometimes people had mother and the father in the house. The man, you know, even though he may have had a menial job like a trash man or something like that, he would grind to make sure everybody had. You know what I'm saying? But not e boy. They don't want to do nothing. They want the easy way. And then what end up happening is that easy way don't work and they lay up on that woman. And then that woman become their mama. Like oh. baby boy. And then <laughs> then when they become their mama, you know, they up there eating the fruit snack. They want to eat the tricks or, or the Captain Crunch. And the babies ain't got nothing to eat. You know what I'm saying? The babies hate this dude because he take it from them. Instead of adding to the equation. Wait a minute. I'm still going back on tricks. Did you just say I see I am not gonna play this man today? Did you just say tricks? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> what why not fruity pebbles or fruit loops? What do you gotta say? Tricks? You know, when why? your mama wanted to splurge, she used to go to Fiesta and go get them tricks and that big jug of juice that had a bullet on it. You know what I'm saying? And press ham and cheese, you know what I'm saying? Hey, mm. you're right. Summer sausage and cheese. Yeah, from Peters. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Right, right. They don't know. Uh, for my listening audience, Peters is a local store in our neighborhood where you can go and buy cold cuts. And um, we call it lunch meat. You all call it cold cuts. But, you know, it's lunch meat to us and bread and juice and whatever. You are so crazy. And, 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 oh, and, and, and on top of that, to actually answer your question, um, the whole black race is feared because we're the only people that don't know our capability. Um, in, yeah. in previous times, in early times, we had the ability to shape shift. We had the ability to do a, a heavy level of astronomy. If you look at the doggone tribe uh, in Africa, mm-hmm. uh, they the ones that was high on mathematics. Then you also look at uh, African civilization. Uh, well, well, to speak on the Nubian Valley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and actually, you know, when you had the African invasions in Europe, we went over there and and showed them the proper way of domestication, about hygiene, yeah, the, medicine, the Moors. Yeah, when the Moors came, when the Moors founded Europe, when they left Africa and went yes. to Europe, 
and they created the civilization. Because mm-hmm. before then, you know, you had uh, livestock inside houses, improper bathing practices and things of that nature. So when you look at that, and then you look at the nature of that civilization against ours, where the flip happened was because our people as our nature is to be good natured, is to be helpful, is to love. We made out of love. While others mm. may be more barbaric and more violent or more or more devious or more desperate because of the situation that they win. So when the game flipped, they said, okay, we're going to burn all the books. We're going to hold this knowledge here. And we're going set, to set it up this way. We're going to have them fall under a faith flag. We're going to have them fall under many different uh, separatist thoughts or separatist uh, ideals that will divide us. So once that happened and that knowledge isn't there no more, we just lost people with that knowledge. So we don't know. We've taken it like they're saying that we're loud and obnoxious when basically they're just trying to stop us and quell us from reaching our potential because we're very powerful. Even though we may do it in an unknowing fashion, being loud or whatever, but our voice will be heard. Hmm. You know, um, I was having a, uh, you know, I like to have deep stimulating conversations with um, my friends and I like for them to open up their third eye and um, allow truth and energy to come in and become uh, self-aware. And I always tell them, we were here in the United States before (laughs) the uh, colonism came. And I said, um, they just whitewashed us down saying that we were American Indians, but we were really Aboriginal people. I said, if you go into detail, I say, because I, I'm a, his, a history scholar, right? I like to read and I don't read what people tell me to read. I go and I do my own research and I gather my own information. And that's why I'm, I'm aware of our flight in this land. This land was ours because you can't tell me a hundred million Africans came here when we were already here. Yeah, I, a lot of us were sold into slavery, but what about the ones that were here? When you speak on Christopher Christopher Columbus' journal, he stated when he came to the New Americas, he seen real dark giants. They were like six to seven feet tall. They had wool hair. Sound like they was talking about Jesus, but you know, that's another topic for another story for another day. But we were already here. But because they wanted to whitewash us up, they wanted to whitewash our history. They tell us that we came in on slave boats. And then, you know, I, I try to get people to understand. I said, do you know that there's pyramids in the Americas? I was like, what? Yeah, I said, there's pyramids in, in uh In Mexico, um, there's they found some pyramids in Seattle. Um, they found some in in uh, the Grand Canyon <laughs> um, with these um, African uh, writings. Um, they found a whole civilization in California that was that had running water, and they found artifacts of African descent here. So it's like. 
I, I be wanting our people to be aware of who they really are. But like you say, one must become knowledgeable of thyself in order to understand the true meaning and the true craft of them. Right. And and and, and even, even to go furthermore on your point, um, if you look at prehistoric times, the entire world was connected. And if you can look at the globe mm-hmm. right now. Uh, South America and Africa actually connect together. Right? Mm-hmm. So with that being said, hey, if it it was nothing for us to walk over it's there. a huge <laughs> landmass and tell me this tell me how DuSable took the white settlers to Chicago and settled it if he never was here before also when you look back at it uh, there's uh, native uh, native tribes to uh, the Caribbean uh, such as the Arawak the Taino and when we went to Puerto Rico, we went to the El Yunque Mountains. And it was mm-hmm. an individual that was there. He was dark like a King Olajuwon speaking straight in, uh, speaking straight Spanish. He say his mm-hmm. family, he come from a line that was uh, not penetrated by the settler. Because they all derived from the mountains. Then, when, when, you, when you look at it from that perspective, and you also, we, we forgot to mention the Mississippi Delta that had pyramids, but those were torn down. Um, yeah. I mean, all of this, if you look at it, all of this that we're dealing with now was just manifest destiny. It was just a creation of a certain level of heaven for certain people. And once we realize that and understand that nothing is holding us back, no imaginary laws that are just written. If we go with the law of man and chase and pursue our own happiness and our own righteousness, we'll get the heaven on earth that we always desire. So that brings me to this. Because, you know, you've been married, Ken, for how long? No, this will be our third year on November the 11th. So two and a half years, and it's, it's about yeah, it's about to be that 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 mm-hmm. three year mark. You know, uh, the Bible say when a man finds a wife, he a finds good, a great wife. thing. So, I am going to go into all things relationships because I see how you love on your wife, and I just smile, and I say that's God's grace when you can just look at a couple. Because I would like you back on here when I do all things mm-hmm. marriages. And love, because I I love your energy and I love how you speak and how you tell it how it is. And like you always told me, when I come on there, I'm going to tell the truth. So with all things relationships, I always have to ask these questions. But beforehand, I would like to know, how did you meet your beautiful wife? And how did you know that she was the one for you? See, I met my wife. We went on our first date in 2010. And, you mm-hmm. know, when she met me, I had on the Gucci jacket. I had on some gaiters. I had on about five rings <laughs> on each hand. I had I had a big oh medallion on. I had on the Kango. And, you know, that that was... So you was yeah, looking like Yeah, because, I mean, you know, that's what I come up under. So, you know, and then when I talk, I talk with that pizzazz. I'm like, you know, 
She just she telling me her aspirations and her hopes and her dreams. I said, baby, it's your world. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you don't look like that kid. It's your you world, can have baby. whatever you want to have. You know what I'm saying? And she was oh. like, no, nah, he ain't going to pimp me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then, you know, on top of that, she was kind of like, you know, nah, he a little bit too flashy for me. So we didn't we didn't talk for like a year. It was on and off, you know what I'm saying? But I had took a trip. I went to a Dallas uh, Cowboy, because I'm a Cowboy fan. I went to Dallas Cowboy and Texans game that was in uh, an AT&T stadium. And I had went, I had went part of the whole night before. I went to Dennis uh, right there. It was like uh, off Esther's out in Irving. And um, I look mm-hmm. at my Facebook and I see she. T- That's the Dallas Fort Worth mm-hmm. area. Um, audience. And so when she tagged herself in, talking about, no, she tagged her own post, talking about, yeah, I'm up here at Dennis or whatever. I went around the corner and there she was and I spoke to her and she had lit up. And <laughs> she lit up yeah, like a Christmas, you know, and because uh, we had a few other little dates that went on, but it was a certain thing that was happening. Like one time I went to the movies with her and fell asleep in the movie because I was working so hard. Ken, mm-hmm. you mean it? You hold on, you mean to tell me. You took her out on a date to the movies and you fell asleep yeah, in the movie. I mean, movies. you know, back then I used to work eight hour weeks. So, you know, I, you know, I was Friday night, you know what I'm saying? And I was feeling good. I had me a few drinks. We was at Studio Movie Grill and that? I fell asleep. <laughs> and, you know, she was uh, dismayed about that. But, you know, when it came around time we ran into that game, you know, we we had clicked in, but then I was getting, I was on my way out of a relationship. And um, mm. what ended up happening, I think probably about a year or so after, you know, I had hit her up on the Facebook. I was like, what's up? And then luckily she stayed in Fifth Ward off Lounge. And, uh, and, and you okay. know, I had went over there and uh, ever since then we've been rocking like, you know, after the after that uh, additional date that we had, because I took her to Dorothy this one time, and uh, you know <laughs> I took her. To, Tell them uh, about Dor- Dorothy's because it's like because you know you throwing out these names and they're like yeah. Dorothy's. Yeah, Dorothy's Peters. is a, a na- neighborhood neighborhood lounge that's in the bottom, which is an area uh, that's near downtown, which is the southernmost area of Fifth Ward. <laughs> Where I grew up. Right. And I mean, it's a live affair. So, you know, she felt the vibes and, you know, the neighborhood and all that. And then we were just kicking it. And then everything just went from now. And after that, you know, she went, came to my house and they never leave because I ain't want her to leave. You know, I (laughs) said, you ain't got to uh, pay for your apartment. You ain't got to do this here. I got you. Oh, oh, my. So you, so basically it was divine intervention that led you both to dinner. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and the the wild part about it, she ain't a fan of none of them teams. She was up there with her cousin. That's a cow a cowboy fan. You was gonna say cowboy. Well, I'm a cowboy fan, speaking. but you know, I'm kind of stepping away from them. I gotta divorce them right now. Yeah, they they <laughs> they tripped that, but um, yeah, 
you know, that's the pretty much the beginnings of everything that happened. Um, I ain't gonna say that it was an easy way, you know what I'm saying, to get to this point. Uh, it was definitely a lot of hard work. It was definitely a lot of understanding on both sides. Um, and, and with that uh-huh. understanding, we both grew into the individuals that you see today. Like, you would never tell me yeah. that I would have had surgery and lost over 130 pounds. You would have never told me that I never touched fried chicken again, because not because I can't, but it's because I don't want to. You'll never tell me that I stopped drinking altogether and, and I don't even have a drink at all. And you, you would never tell me that, you know, there are certain things that I can't mention on, 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 this, uh, on this platform, but my ascension uh-huh. in certain things that I'm working in in my career, I never thought that I'd reach this level. But with the proper support, I've reached this level. Let's get into it. Who are you in a relationship? Number one, who are you in a relationship? Well, I mean, I'm an annoyance at times. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, being a comedian, I end up working out some of my material at home. And, and at home. where, you know, a person could be tired of hearing it all the time. Um, I'm definitely a protector. Uh, because I don't mind jumping out there and, you know, jumping out the window uh, to, to, to handle, you know, what would need to be taken care of for my home. Uh, definitely a provider. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, also a nurturer, too. Uh, that was something I had to work on because growing up the way we grew up, it was kind of tough to show any emotion or have any feelings because they always told us that if you show love, you'll get hurt or get killed. So you always try to put that back and never have your, your emotions or your feelings on your sleeve. So just opening up and then also feeling comfortable with being who you truly are. Like me and my wife, we like to uh, watch uh, Lovecraft Country, Game of Thrones. Oh, that's my show. Oh my God, Lovecraft. I'm, I haven't gotten into the Game of Thrones. But um, Lovecraft mm-hmm. Country. That's my shit, shit, nizzling, nizzling. <laughs> yes. That's my shit, okay? And, you know, just, just being with somebody that truly understands you, that, that also don't uh, judge you uh, for whatever quirks or whatever mm-hmm. differences that you may have, and they embrace it and they love it all at the same time, that's a marvelous thing. And I think that's some of the things that, that helped me get to a point where I was able to love myself even more and also show her how much I love myself and espouse more love upon her. You know, who who am I in a relationship? That's deep. And I, I'm proud of you on on your growth and your maturity and becoming a the husband, the uh, the best friend, um, the protector. You are awesome. And I salute every black man that does that for their black queen. Or hell for every man that does that for their queen, period. As for me, you know, I'm not dating. I'm not in a relationship. I don't want to be in a relationship. But whenever I am in a relationship, I am the listener. Meaning I listen to what a man is saying. Because there's one thing Mm -hmm. to hear horn, right? 
And there's, and I always tell people, there's one thing when you hear a horn and there's one thing when a door slams, but until you listen to why is this horn is blowing and why is this door has shut or slammed, something is going on. So I listen and I'm also a giver, meaning I give love, I give joy, I give peace, I give understanding. And, you know, and sometimes if I think something will look good on him, I'll get it. But that's just who I am. Question number two, the longest relationship. Oh, wow. So longest relationship that I've been in, I, I would say would be one that I had in my 20s. And, and that was a very oh. uh, tumultuous, uh, very, very rocky type of relationship. Um, it was one that I got a lot of knowledge from. Like, number one, I things. Like, I had my family in my business because I knew the first time that I felt a certain way about an individual. So, uh, my family the closest thing to me, so I tell them things that I shouldn't have. Which caused strife mm. in the entire thing. Number two, mm-hmm. always going to be friction because if you look at it like this, like, if you, okay, like, if you're in a domestic violence relationship, and you run and you tell your daddy, you say, hey, so-and-so, he keep, you know, doing this here. Your daddy gonna go try to handle the issue. But then, after he try to handle the issue, uh-huh. and he deal with the ramifications of that, like, if he gotta go to jail, like, if he gotta get a bond, somebody get hurt, then you end up going right back to that person. That's a slap in the face to your family. That's, that's pure disrespect. That's and at that point, you really done messed off your best your best option, which is your family. So the best thing to do if you are dealing in a relationship with somebody to deal with all of those issues amongst yourselves, don't bring nobody into it. Then another part mm-hmm. of it, you know, about that relationship was uh, bisexuality. Um, that was on the other person's part. And, uh, you know, that wow. was... You know, like, you know, I try to fashion myself as a player, uh, you know, a forward thinker, you know. <laughs> uh, back then, we used to think uh-huh. swinging was high, you know, had you two gals and, you know, this, that, and the other. But at the same time, we were uh, oblivious to the fact that when feelings get involved and you have other people, a triangle relationship, it causes issues, especially... So it ain't no entanglement. It's a stuttering <laughs> because uh, you see, you you if you allow that there, you know, a stud can come in now and handle some business. Oh. And uh, you know, that's exactly what happened. So uh, what ended up happening, you know, the woman she the woman that I dealt with, the woman that she with now looked just like me, but is a woman. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. deep. That's real deep. And I know it did. No, it ain't hurt my ego, ego. As well. It ain't hurt my ego at all because, you know, I'm keeping player, you know. Um, and, you know, one of, one of my older brothers told me, say, everybody got their turn. You know, and love mm. is secondhand emotion. So if love is secondhand emotion, mm. it had to come from them in order to hit you. So you never can control that. Mm-hmm. And players control. Mm. So at the same time, you know, a person choose to go the opposite way, 
and they choose to give uh, uh, that turn to somebody else, you can't. You just got to go on, you know, uh, move on with your life and find you something else to do. But at the same time, have enough self-respect and love for yourself where you never fall back into that trap. Mm. That is so true. The longest relationship I ever been in was 12 years. You know, I was married. And I always tell people it was just, it was ghetto love. It was mm. ratchet. It was a mess. But, you know, it, 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 um, we created three beautiful kids together. And, you know, and it is what it is with that. Um, question number three. Have you ever dated? I know you're going to make me laugh. God, I'm just trying to hold it in. I don't want these folks thinking I'm crazy, but I got to ask you because I ask everybody this. Have you ever dated a person oh, yeah. you regret it? I I, I, I definitely uh, dated somebody I regret. And I'll tell you a story because I really don't give a damn because can't nobody whoop my ass. <laughs> uh, and I got back up now. Uh, so it was a woman. I wasn't too fond of her. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I initiated this because I see this woman every day when I used to go to work. And, you know. Mm-hmm. So is this when you was at this certain No, I, I wasn't there. I, and, and I'm not going to even mention that. Oh. But, uh you know, I see the woman every day and then on the humble, I was just like, hey, you know, what's up? You know, I invited her to lunch and uh, just like you said, when she sat down, what she said out of her mouth was kind of like, you know, whatever, you know. So, uh, you know, we went on, we went on a date or whatever and I thought that it was just going to be something casual, but this person kept pressing the issue and by them pressing the issue, I gave in. And what? Mm, so you flesh Not even weak. that. It was just like, just give him a chance, you know. I I was just thinking, just give him a chance, mm-hmm. you know. So I did that, and uh, person faked the whole pregnancy on me. Uh, yeah, person oh. faked the whole pregnancy on me. See, I'm from the hood, and they always talk about people carry the baby in their hips, and uh, the girl. <laughs> uh, I thought she carried the baby in her hips because she was very shapely. <laughs> Um, you know, and I was working a lot, mm-hmm. so I didn't get a chance to go to the doctor. I just was getting ultrasound pictures. So, uh huh. I was getting ultrasound pictures. Huh? You know what I'm saying? With with the name on it and everything. I don't know how in the hell she did it, but she hell of a counterfeit art. Uh, but I mean, she came back with uh, ultrasound pictures, and you know, uh, you know, and by me seeing that, and by me feeling as though. I had a child on the way. I did certain things to secure that. Like I made a living arrangement where she was with me and her children. You know what I'm saying? Because at that time I was dealing with somebody who had kids. And uh, you know, I had uh got her a brand new car and everything. And uh-huh. And oh and when I found out, shot call. this was right around my birthday one year, I found that because the baby was supposed to come right around the birthday and uh it was a discrepancy that happened and i found that from her family and her children that she wasn't pregnant and uh so it was a big whoop to do i talked about it and i was like hey you know what what what, what brought you to the point of line you know what what brought you to the point of line and she was like you know i had a miscarriage on this date or whatever 
And, you know, I ain't want to hurt your feelings. I said, it's coward shit. You should have told me because it was going to be someday where baby don't never show up, you know? And, uh... Wow. So she pranked... So how many months did she fake the pregnancy? Because it sounds like all the way yeah, up. Yeah, she like faked all the way up. Months. And I was wondering, I was like, you know, you got a little pudge, you know what I'm saying? And I, I done seen people before right. that had a little pudge that wasn't really showing. And, and, and you know, I was so busy. I right. was like, you know, she's showing me the evidence, but at the same time, it wasn't the evidence. It was something fraudulent. And I mean, really had gave the information to my mom and my kid folk and all that. And uh, you know, and when they find that, they would they was heated. And uh, you know, we had broke up for a minute, but then you know, I was sucked for love. I went on, took her back, and. Uh, Everything kept going on, and uh, I lost my father in 2014. And short, I'm talking about that was devastating because I had to be there with him. I I I used to I switched my schedule. I was working nights. I was uh, I was working with people in Asia, at and I was running a a whole team. I Mm -hmm. managing an entire team, and I get off in the morning, and I would. No. Now that was from that bank, that. right? Oh. Okay. So after I get off in the morning, I would sit with him. I'll be me and my sister from DC. Um, she had came here from. Um, mm-hmm. She she was on tour in Africa, and she came here, and uh, we were cutting up, divvying up like duties, and I would be there all day long. I come home, get a little bit of rest, go back to work, and be with him for three months. And uh, when he passed, you know, it was a huge blow up. It was like, you know, you don't pay no attention to his relation. I'm like, well, I lost somebody. You know, I lost my old man. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And me and him really got close in them three months, closer than we ever been. So it was very hurtful. And then at the end, when I found out that uh, she had a whole apartment on the other side of town, a whole fully apartment. And uh, oh. would be gone because I wouldn't never that. She'd be gone for two weeks at a time. And then she just finally just went on by the way. But that was the most regretful thing that I've done uh, in my life, I would say. And and, and there's more to the story. It, it, oh, it also involves a, a kidnapping so, story that was on TV, you know, and all let them. Yeah, you know I'm gonna have you back on, so you already know we're gonna get back. We're gonna we're gonna get to that because I, I wanted I wanted my listening audience to know that women not only have issues with crazy men, but men also have issues with crazy women. And boy, I tell you that right there is some crazy mm-hmm. ass shit. As for me, I have no regrets. I, I I feel like I cannot carry around everything someone has done to me. I'm like, whatever man sows, so shall he reap. And whatever harvest they plant, that is the harvest that, you know, they'll reap. So at the end of the day, you know, I'm like, okay, this is what you did. Yeah, I might cry, but I'll get over it because I know God. Number four. I already know what you're going to say, but I want my audience to 
to let you elaborate. Are you romantic? Or are you just go with the flow? It could go either way. Um, and, and and what people have to realize too, as you get up in age as a man, um, your focus, like I, I put it like this, when you're younger, your focus is more on the romantic side because it's a carnal thing. Because you 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 got full testosterone, uh. you got full energy and adrenaline that's pushing you. To, yeah, excuse my language. Yeah, I want some pussy, right? <laughs> so when you get older, uh. you still got that, but you got other things on your mind too. Especially if you if you you married or whatever, uh-huh. you have other things like the 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 furthering of the relationship, acquiring assets, this that and the other. Uh, but sometimes you pick out a point or you had access to be like, hey, let's go somewhere. Let's fly out here or whatever and, and do some things we want to do. It, it's The romance is all in the eye of the beholder because if you know your mate, you know they love language. Uh-huh. We, if you tell somebody else what you did for that person, they probably wouldn't think it's romantic. But to that person, it means everything. Right. You are so right. Wow. I'm still I, I'm still stuck on number three um, with the regret because, woo, child, I can't wait to hear this. Oh, you got to come back. Number, woo, Jesus Christ. Well, for me, I always tell my listening audience, I am a romantic type of woman. I, I love romance. I love the candles. I, I love being by water. Um, the best date I ever had in my life, and I always say this story, was with this guy. Um, we went to Clear Lake, and you know how they have the yachts on the lake, and they have the boats on the lake, and, you know, it's just very beautiful, and it was very tranquil. It was a fall day, Ken, and it was beautiful, and we sat on the bench, and, you know, he was drunk, and that's probably why he just wanted to sit on the bench, but, you know, he was sitting on the bench, and we both were in our own elements, meaning I found a tranquility of enjoyment just watching the seagulls and watching the ships the boats just sail by and and that was the best date I had because it was peaceful for me I got a chance to analyze everything so and I know you're gonna say he was drunk yes Ken he was drunk he drank too much at the restaurant and and it was a mess and and I knew right then and there that him and Mm. I would not be in no relationship Cause it was just too much. And my final question, oh my God, Ken, I don't want to get off this podcast because I'm still stuck on number three. And I know I can't wait to have you back on here. Woo, child. Woo, kidding. Woo, child. Fake pregnancy. Kid and you saw, and you Woo, see child. some of the things that I post, Woo. I allude to it. I, I, I will always leave the guilty name <laughs> because it ain't everybody being, but I, you know, it's a part of my yes. story. So I got to talk about it. Yeah, you you got to talk about it. Number five, I'm not gonna say. Well, you you're married and you still date your wife. So, what is your what is your desire in the future regarding your marriage? Any babies yeah, involved? Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and I preface that with this: um, we family, so I don't take I don't take nothing negative from it. But when people you know talk to us and they always bring up when well, y'all gonna have a baby this time, now this is slightly disrespectful. Because the way that I feel about it uh-huh. is, you know, that's God's decision. That's our decision. 
uh, and people need to respect that because we both don't have mm-hmm. children. I don't. Um, I'm 39 years old, but what I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to is continuing to build a foundation with my wife uh, and, and also seeing all of our mm-hmm. dreams come to fruition together and also having a hand in what we want to do and supporting one another. And I, I mean, I'm just so anxious to see what the future holds. Like I said, um, you know, beginning of this year, I was battling with a lot of things. Like at the beginning of the year, uh, I was, they thought I had cancer. So they sent me to a hematologist uh, where I had panel uh, exams and everything. This lasted for probably about two to three weeks. Um, then they came back and told me that my diabetes was so severe that it was almost going to give me kidney cancer. So what I did, um, and I had been planning to do this, um, I was kind of begrudgingly doing it, but I went ahead full steam and I, I said, look, uh-huh. if I have to have a surgery that will immediately reverse any effect, because, I mean, look at the way we grew up. It's unhealthy. We got people that that's our peers that dying left and right over natural causes or poor nutrition or poor health. So I was like, you know, it need to be a change because I can't leave my wife out here, you know, with my money and she go take a young man to Jamaica. I ain't no Stella, you know. I don't want that for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not. So. I'm not. I, I promise I'm not. I am not. I am not. I'm not. Ken, I am not with you. I will not. So when I, I had not, the surgery, not, uh, which was May 7th, I'm coming up on uh, my six-month anniversary for it. Uh, I sat there. I laid in the bed in the hospital for three days with no television, uh, with no gas because of the COVID. And, uh, you know, I came up with a plan of how uh-huh. I wanted to live my life and the things that I had to be disciplined in in order to achieve it. So since then, um, immediately after, um, I no longer have high blood pressure, diabetes. Um, I'm in the best shape of my life uh, due to healthy eating. And also, uh, I tell this to everybody. They think Dr. Sebi is a joke. He ain't a joke. He the truth. So, you know, we, we eat organically here. Everything that we have in our house is organic. We drink nothing but water. That's why we look so young. And, uh, you know, the skin and all that, it repairs all of those things. So, you know, I'm just enjoying yes, the, the best I've ever felt, the best I've ever looked in life. And I'm just so happy. <laughs> and you do look good, brother. You look damn good. I mean, I'm proud of you. Like I said, I'm very proud of you. And you know me, yeah. I drink a lot of water. I drink a gallon a day. Except today, I didn't drink a lot of water today. Right. But that's okay. I'll make up for it. But I drink a lot of water, mm-hmm. you know, and I walk. You see, I walk. And so, you know, you got to take care of your body and you got to take care of your spirit and you got to take yeah. care of your soul. That is so true. As for me, I always tell people, I know I'm a Proverbs 31 woman. So I know what's meant for me will not miss me. And I plan on being married one day again when the timing is right. But right now, I am in no rush to be in no type of relationship with anyone. I am just focusing on building my brand and um, building generational um, wealth to last forever for my future generations. And also, 
healing our community and breaking the cycles. And with that being said, my my handsome brother, I love you. I, I thank you for stopping by tonight and, and telling your story and speaking your truth. But we're going to get back to that number three with that regret because I'm, I'm, I don't visualize this and you don't see it on the news. Oh, my God. I'm still, you know, I got to have you back on there. And I know my audience are going to be emailing me. <laughs> Oh, you gotta find out. Don't worry, we will find out. He will. We we will come back to this. Yes. But with everything I do, I do in love, right? Um, I pray that God bless you, the people you are aligned with, your household, and the people that they are aligned with for the future and for the coming days with peace, love, and joy, and everything that is needed to fulfill your destiny, my brother, because I salute you. You are king. You are worthy. I salute your beautiful wife. I thank God that um, you evolved. And, you know, in, in, in this episode, I'm going to call the evolution of Ken, because <laughs> baby, that is an evolution from kidnapped from the... Whew, I'm still on that third. Woo, child, I can't wait to come back and ask you. You're going to have to break it down to me because I know I'm pretty sure my email has been blowing up already. But I, I thank you. I thank you so much. Um, may God bless you. May God bless your family. May God keep you. Um, thank you for being spiritually aware of your journey as a black man and bringing forth an abundance of understanding and using your wisdom and knowledge, not only to heal, but to make us laugh and to give us something to think about. So with that being said, I close tonight out with let love rule and anything that you can do in life, you there's redemption. doesn't matter where your journey takes you or where it stops off at you make a landmark there and you make an impact on society and you my love you are doing just that i look forward to uh seeing you on an international stage um and i can say that's my brother right there that's my brother i look forward to being on an international stage as well uh, speaking truth and healing our community because that's all I want. And, and can I mention so I a couple you. of things here for, for your audience? Um, so I, I mentioned that sure. I'm an entrepreneur. So uh, my company, World of Comedy 5 Entertainment, like I said before, we have a talk show on the Boss Up Houston Network every Thursday at 9 p.m. Uh, on Facebook and also rebroadcasted on Xfinity. But for brick and mortar, if you want to come out and you want to see some comedy, what I do, um, I kind of stepped away from performing a lot. And what I do, I align all of the best comedians that mm -hmm. uh, the nation has to offer. And I bring them to a place in Third Ward called uh, the Library that's on Scott. It's at 2612 Scott Street. Our next show that we have coming up is November the 20th, right in time for Thanksgiving. Uh, our headliner will be Rodney Bigham, uh, which is uh, one of our elder statesmen in comedy here in Houston. We also have Brady Bob, uh, Leo Castillo, the H-Town Bully, uh, Mayam Robinson, and none other than Cliff Two. Cliff Two, he uh, runs Carrington's uh, comedy circuit on Tuesdays. 
he's going to be hosting it for us. But if you're looking to have a good time or anything else uh, where you just want to take your mind away from what you're doing, you can follow me on Instagram at World of Comedy 5 and also uh, at World of Comedy 5 Entertainment. And if you want to get uh, to know a little bit more about me and see some of the pictures in the life and the journey that I'm on, you can go on Facebook to Ken Mills. Ken Mills on Facebook. Thank you so much. Thank you. I truly enjoyed having you on the show. And I look forward to having you on real <laughs> soon so we can talk about And that's a three. heck of a story. It ain't got nothing to do with me. I <laughs> Thank just was you. a um I just was a bystander. It has nothing to do with me. And I'm gonna be careful the way I talk about that, but I, I would be glad to come back. It was an honor and a privilege to talk with you. Thank All you right. so much, my brother. <laughs>